of the world is within you. Sacred and worthy is your soul. A place has been made for you. Welcome to the First Unitarian Society of Denver podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of the mind, the heart, and the spirit. You may also visit us on the web at fusden.org or find us on Facebook. This week's audio selections are taken from First Unitarian's online service held Sunday, September 13th, 2020. The title is True to Self. The homily is by Reverend Mike Moran. Good morning, First Unitarian. A number of things I want to let you know about today. Uh, first of all, in case you missed it, uh, Mary Sullivan's announcement at the beginning of the service. Uh, we are going to have a congregational meeting next Sunday, immediately following the service. That's September 20th. Please show up. It's important that you do. Uh, it should be a short meeting, but we absolutely need your participation and your vote. In terms of joys and concerns, uh, I need to let you know that Laura Mueller's mother, Flora Schinkel, passed away in hospice this past week. Uh, we hope uh, we send our thoughts and prayers to Laura and hope she is surrounded by all the comfort and community that she can stand in this time of transition. Sorry for your loss, Laura. If you've been paying attention to the news, uh, it's been a pretty tough week for the country and for the world. Uh, yesterday was the 19th anniversary of 9-11. And that is a date worth remembering, not just for the deaths and the destruction that happened on that morning, but for all the lies and the pointless wars that followed and still continue, for the loss of our international reputation because of those lies, the insanity of legalizing torture that happened in the aftermath of 9-11, the ridiculous racial and religious finger-pointing, the laws that were passed that uh, made us only nominally safer while sacrificing a great deal of our privacy and our freedom. There is much to mourn with that particular anniversary. But I encourage us to remember all of it, not just the day, but everything that followed from it, and to speak the truth of all of it when we do speak of it. I know of no better way to reduce the odds of it happening again than to remember all of it. Today we mourn the fires in the American West that are happening even as we speak in Colorado, Utah, California, and Oregon, all the people and creatures who have been displaced, the landscapes decimated, the firefighters exhausted and still in danger, the lives and property reduced to ashes, prayers of strength and healing to all those who are affected. Also in the news this week, not really news if you pay attention to these things, uh, but we learned this week that President Trump, even back in February and March, was aware of COVID-19, was aware of its contagion, was aware of its deadliness, and the near certainty of tens of thousands of American deaths. And he deliberately chose at that time, and somewhat still to this day, deliberately chose to downplay the risks, to undermine the science, to mock the necessary precautions. I apologize if you hear a little heavy breathing in the background. I brought my dog with me this morning. And I know this was just one more lie. One more of the more outrageous lies in a long series of lies. But this one feels 
particularly evil, and I don't use that word lightly. Please, please vote this November. Encourage everyone you know to vote this November. Lastly, this morning I want to hold up veterans. Those currently serving, those who have served in the past, those who were killed in our far too many wars over the last 200 and odd years. It has to hurt to learn what the commander in chief really thinks of you. Please rest assured that the rest of the country, even though they may not be brave enough to contradict the commander in chief, is grateful for your service and honors your sacrifice. Given all this sadness, all these anniversaries, all these fires, all this tragedy, all these untruths, I want to remind you this morning that sorrow and grief are just the price we pay for a life that includes love. And if we're hurting from all this stuff and all this information, that only shows that we have heart enough to care. And on that note, I have personally found a great deal of comfort this week in this poem by Maya Angelou called Touched by an Angel, and this will be our prayer for this morning. She wrote, We, unaccustomed to courage, exiles from delight, live coiled in shells of loneliness until love leaves its high holy temple and comes into our sight to liberate us into life. Love arrives and in its train come ecstasies, old memories of pleasure, ancient histories of pain, yet if we are bold, Love strikes away the chains of fear from our souls. We are weaned from our timidity in the flush of love's light. We dare be brave, and suddenly we see that love costs all we are and will ever be, yet it is only love which sets us free. Amen. So glad you're with us this morning. Thanks for being here. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the silent voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. Mary Ann Redmacher. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. Brene Brown. The secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. Thucydides. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Lao Tzu. One isn't necessarily born with courage, but one is born with potential. Without courage, we cannot practice any other virtue with consistency. We can't be kind, true, merciful, generous, or honest. Maya Angelou. It takes courage to become who you really are. E. E. Cummings. Hey, First Unitarian. So it's a natural thing, an inevitable thing, perhaps, when we're young to try and figure out who we are, 
Like, who am I, really? How much of, I, of how much of myself will I allow the world to see? How much of who I am will I cover up or cover over with what the world expects me to be or wants me to be? Questions like, if I tell and show who I really am, what I really think, will people still love me? Will they even like me? You know, some, uh, some of us, uh, even some of us who are a little longer in the tooth, still wrestle with basic questions of who we are. I've had people in their 70s actively dying from incurable conditions confide to me that they just hoped they had gotten it right. We're desperate to be reassured that the person they had chosen to become had been a good person and that no one knew they were really faking it or had been for some time. Now, in my experience, that level of awareness is actually relatively rare. I think most of us, by the time we're in our 50s or beyond, have settled into being someone for so long and so thoroughly that we forget those fundamental choices we made many, many years ago about how honest of a person we would be, how giving of a person we would be, how faithful, how manipulative how dedicated we would be to material success or what we would willingly sacrifice to be liked or to be loved. But we did make those choices once. It's how we became whoever it is that we are at this moment. A couple of big choices and then by millions and millions of smaller choices over years of time in relationships both sustaining and trivial. Are we fair? Are we honest with money? Even with, you know, the grocery store or a restaurant or the government? Are we truthful with our friends? Are we honest with our love? The truth is, almost all of us are astonishingly adept at being chameleons. Very different people when talking, for instance, to our boss or to our child, our sibling of 60 years or to a stranger, the waitress at the diner or the banker who is uh, going to make a decision about whether we are worthy of that loan. Now, if you happen to have a multicultural background or speak multiple languages, you are intimately familiar with what they call code switching affecting the lingo, accents, and behavior of the different spaces in which you find yourself. Black people in America do this every day of their lives, the way they talk, relate, and carry themselves with other black people in black spaces versus the way they talk and relate and carry themselves when they have to deal with white people, especially white people with power. These are social survival skills, and we've all got them. There's nothing wrong with them inherently. In fact, not having that particular set of skills is unusual enough that we even have names for people who don't or can't develop those skills. We call them autistic, or we call them Asperger's, or some other clinical label, and we treat them as if they're sick or abnormal, even though they may be some of the most authentic human beings will ever come across. Bronnie Ware worked in hospice for decades and wrote a popular book called The 
top five regrets of the dying. And in her experience, this is what she writes, when people realize that their life is almost over and they look back at what they've done and who they were, the number one regret that they express is the wish that they had had the courage to be true to themselves instead of living the life that others expected of them. People spoke in this book about spending decades and enormous Amounts of energy trying to please other people, to live up to other people's expectations, or passing things by because it might have made someone else uncomfortable or unhappy or temporarily disappointed. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams. And in hindsight, they knew this was due directly to decisions they had made. Years ago, I was... uh, True story, I was hiking in the Rincon Mountains with uh, a dear friend, and we were having one of those rare and precious conversations of truth and trust. We were both in a period of great transition in our lives. She was trying to decide in those weeks whether or not to terminate a pregnancy, and I was trying to decide whether I was going to go off to seminary. We were looking back on our respective paths and we had this simultaneous realization that neither of us had a single regret about anything we had chosen to do. None of the decisions we'd made, even the ones that hadn't worked out or the ones that led to, uh, the ones that had gotten painful, all of those had led to other things and in the long run it was all good. The things we regretted, all of them, the things we regretted, were the things we hadn't done, the chances that we hadn't taken, the opportunities we had let pass us by. Looking back now, that was probably the moment I decided I would go to seminary. And she eventually decided to have that child who is now in their late 20s. No regrets. By the way, the other four regrets in that book, the five regrets of the dying, are people wishing they had expressed their true feelings, especially in their intimate relationships, people wishing they hadn't worked so hard, people wishing they had allowed themselves to be happier, and people wishing they had stayed in touch with their oldest, dearest friends. I think of the wise words When I think about social courage and who we are, I think of the wise words by Henry Nouwen that I love to quote. I've quoted these many times before. He wrote, a little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits. A little success excites me. It takes very little to raise me up or thrust me down. Often... I'm like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. All the time and energy I spend in keeping some kind of balance and preventing myself from being dipped over and drowning shows my life is mostly a struggle for survival. Not a holy struggle, but an anxious struggle, resulting from the mistaken idea that it is the world that defines me. On taking risks, Albert Einstein once wrote, Once you can accept the universe, 
as being something expanding into an infinite nothing, which is something. Wearing stripes with plaid is easy. All of these take courage, which is what we've been talking about for a couple of months now. Courage is doing something even though we are fearful, even though we are anxious, even though we are uncertain, even though we know that what comes next will be painful or hard or might temporarily hurt somebody. Today we're talking about social courage, the simplest form of which is just being true to yourself, living your own life, not conforming your personality or who you are or what you do to other people's expectations, being truthful at the risk of social disapproval or punishment. But it's also being willing to admit mistakes when we get it wrong, being willing to apologize, being honest about how we feel and about what and who we value in this world. All of which sounds a whole lot easier than it actually is. But it turns out we have magnificent public examples of what this looks like. And I think immediately of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who testified with tremendous dignity, even though her voice was literally shaking at the confirmation hearing for Brett Kavanaugh. And I believed then and I believe now every single word she said. Senator Kamala Harris said of Dr. Ford, her story, spoken while holding back tears, shook Washington and the country. Her courage in the face of those who wished to silence her galvanized Americans. And her unfathomable service out of a sense of civic duty shined a spotlight on the way we treat survivors of sexual violence. Millions of women were inspired by that testimony. Hashtag Me Too became a worldwide, worldwide movement and I only wish, I only wish the Republicans in that room had had one-tenth the courage that Dr. Christine Lacey Ford had at that hearing. I think about the Little Rock Nine, black high school students in 1957 who in order to get through the thousands of name-calling, spitting, angry white people required the president to nationalize the Arkansas National Guard to escort them to the door. And they went. They went to school. They attended classes. Some of them graduated from that high school. I think of Representative John Lewis of blessed memory, speaking up, speaking out, putting his body on the line over and over and over again, despite beatings, despite being arrested, despite death threats, despite everything, on and on. Just weeks ago, black people all over the country were putting their bodies on the line as they protested, calling for an end to police brutality and unnecessary force. I think about the wall of moms take, linking their arms together, putting themselves, their own bodies, in between the black protesters and the riot police. I think of the dads who showed up with their leaf blowers to disperse the tear gas. I think about members of this congregation who have marched and spoken up for racial justice, for marriage equality, for humane treatment of immigrants, and dozens of other causes. I think about all the people I know 
who have taken the chance of speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth to power, risking embarrassment or rejection for the chance at intimacy with another human being, from a desire for intimacy, showing the children what love looks like and feels like and smells like and tastes like, risking looking like a fool for love because it's the right thing to do. Because so often the heart knows better than the fears in our head. Because justice deferred is justice denied. Because life without courage is only a slow spiritual death. Friends, this is my wish for all of us. Good fights to fight. Good trouble to get into. And the sustaining love that you need to keep going. Amen. Behind all our differences and beneath our diversity, there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together throughout all time, through life and space between the stars throughout all time through life and death and the space between the stars Our benediction today is from the great American writer and poet William Stafford there is a thread that you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You never let go of the thread. Amen. See you next week, or hopefully sooner. <laughs>